What's up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Mavs Film Room Podcast. We're coming to you on Saturday, October 14th, 2023, around noon Central Time. It's uh, It's been a long journey for the Mavericks in this preseason. They left for Abu Dhabi, I believe, almost two weeks ago. They were there for six days and then played two preseason games against the Minnesota Timberwolves, lost both games, and then they flew to Madrid, in Spain and played Real Madrid in a preseason game, which was probably more competitive than the Abu Dhabi games, but they also lost that one. Luka Doncic, unfortunately, suffered a calf strain somewhere along that trip and, you know, heartbreakingly wasn't able to play much against Madrid. I believe he only played four minutes against Real Madrid. So that kind of sucked. But the Mavericks traveled back to Dallas this week and will resume practices at their practice facility on Monday before they play the Detroit Pistons on Friday in their preseason finale. And then 11 days from today, they will be in San Antonio for Victor Wenbanyama's NBA regular season debut and the beginning of their season. And there is a lot of questions, I think, between now and then that we got to get answers to. And we're going to discuss some of those in this episode. So Rohan and Fazla are joining me for this one. Vinay, unfortunately, couldn't be here. Uh, but Roland Fossil, what's up, guys? Alan, uh, not really stressing about any preseason losses, unlike a couple of other Mavs fans that have definitely uh, seen, you know, having very strong opinions. So I'm, I'm curious to see where we might disagree on that take here. Yeah, no, I'm feeling good as well. Like, Everything that I've seen, the positive stuff, um, has me feeling pretty hopeful, I think, long-term. It's definitely going to be a very different team than it has been in years past. I think that much is very evident from preseason. I'm not entirely certain if we're going to get off to a fast start, but um, either way, I do think that we are in store for something that's going to be pretty good this season, definitely better than last, in my opinion. I think you said it well. Um, There were some good moments from the preseason games, definitely. I mean, and we'll get into them. Derek Lively, I think, was probably one of the biggest bright spots. Um, You know, Dante Exum, Derek Jones Jr., I think, had good performances. I think one of the most unfortunate things about the preseason was that Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving barely got to play any time with each other. The first game, it was just about seven minutes of total time on the court together that they had. And then in the second preseason game in Abu Dhabi, Kyrie Irving sat that one out with groin soreness, and Kyrie also sat out the Madrid game. And, of course, Luca also didn't really play in the Madrid game either. So uh, that's a pretty big bummer, I think. Uh, I, I know we were all hoping to see more of them in the preseason, and, of course, they were looking forward to playing in the preseason too to, to get more chemistry. But um, I guess we'll have to see what happens with them. But like you said, Fazl, I think there's still some positives to take away from preseason and, uh, you know, I, I can't sit here confidently, like you said, and say that the Mavericks didn't get off to a fast start. But uh, I think at this point, we can just all hope that they all get healthy before the start of the season. And, and we'll see from there. Yeah, I, I'm i on the nervous end to where I think this year the Mavericks have to start out at least better than they've started out the last two seasons, in my mind, at the very least last season. Um, especially with all these over-unders coming out and preseason not being something that inspires a lot of confidence. I know it's not necessarily a serious basketball take, 
but I want the league to be on notice. And Luca had an insane World Cup. Um, and it's unfortunate that that momentum didn't really follow through to preseason. Um, but I, I just want the season to start out with a supernova. I do too. I think we all do. And it's been unfortunate the last few years of the Luca era, like the Mavericks haven't gotten off to fast starts, as you mentioned. Um, I think two years ago when they made the Western Conference Finals, there was a little bit of a built-in excuse with all the COVID absences and things like that. Uh, last season was just not great across the board. And so this season, I mean, I think everyone is in agreement that getting off to a fast start is going to be the key to returning to not dominance, but returning to relevance, right? We don't want the Mavericks to be fighting for a playing spot again. We want them to be firmly in the top six, which, as you mentioned, not many people really think the Mavericks are going to do this year. And there's a lot for them to prove. I personally think that they're very much capable of being in the top six. But um, again, it really comes down to the health of Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving, because if this team is going to be successful, they're going to have to be, I think, one of the, the five best offensive teams in the league and are going to have to be league average defensively and in rebounding. That's really going to be the formula for success for them. Yeah, and I think, I mean, for reasons we've covered before, this this year's team is going to be better equipped to do that than we were after the trade deadline last season. And um, uh, yeah, so I, I think... Of course, getting off to a fast start is very important. I don't know. I don't recall what the schedule is like for us early on in the season. I think we uh, are playing San Antonio to open, of course. And then I think we have Phoenix in Brooklyn early on. So those are some interesting matchups. Um, and also, I think the last time the Mavs had a fast hot start to the season was in 2020 Luca's sophomore season um in 2021 I think we were nine and 14 to begin the year or something like that so yeah um I guess it's interesting to note that you shouldn't get too down if the Mavs start off slow because it's what they've been doing and they've still been making the playoffs with the exception of last season but um obviously you know if you get you get you're just playing catch up for the rest of the regular season. If you're in that situation, I mean, we see it with not just the Mavs, but other teams like say the Lakers, for instance, last year, you know, they made it all the way to the Western conference finals, but um, they were obviously as a seventh seed, they didn't have the, they had a tough path to go through. And that's ultimately they ran into a better team in the nuggets and uh, you know, just that all that wear and tear that the Lakers faced, which was significant, uh, that didn't do them any favors. Yeah, I, I think what the Mavs and Lakers have done the last couple of seasons um, in terms of getting off to slow starts and then recovering and then making the Western Conference Finals, that is pretty rare and doesn't happen that often. And we all know that the key to playoff success is being a top four seed in the West. I mean, we saw it ourselves with the Mavericks two years ago. Uh, not Not coincidentally, that happened to be their first playoff series win in 11 years since the championship. So it just goes to show that getting off to a good start is really the key to success in the NBA. I mean, and of course, sustaining that through the season, it's it's not all going to be great. They're going to be low moments, but uh, that's why you sort of build that cushion up for yourself in the beginning so that you're not playing catch up, like Fazel said. And I mean, I, I mean, like how many times in 
the January, February, March ranges of the season the last couple of years, have we just like had to watch every single game at the edge of our seats? Like every single game was a must win for the Mavericks. Uh, and every loss felt like it set us back like two or three games, right? So you don't want to be in that situation. And 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 the problem is that's what getting off to slow starts does to you is that there is so much pressure there in the second half of the season uh, to win games because the standings are close or you're fighting to you know be in the play-in picture as we saw last year. Um, so it's just, it would be nice for the Mavericks to build up a bit of a cushion because we know that injuries happen, losing streaks happen. Those are things you can't control. And so you can control at least getting some wins in the early part of the season when you're healthy, uh, when you're fresh. And health obviously is not guaranteed for the Mavericks, as we kind of talked about. Like Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving are both dealing with kind of nagging injuries themselves. We don't know when they will be fully recovered from those. Um, I think Mark Stein reported that it's unclear whether one or both will be available for the season opener against San Antonio. I mean, I'm hoping that both will be there, but uh, I suppose we'll start to know more about the extent of those injuries once, uh, you know, they start practicing again in Dallas this week. Yeah, um, I was taking a chance to look at the schedule for the first two or three weeks of the season. And I think the Mavericks are a little lucky in terms of the strength of schedule that they're facing. Uh, Jay, going back slightly to what you just said about last year around February, March, I mean, pretty consequential trade around that point. Um, and it was kind of unfortunate, Luca being of, you know, ha- dealing with injuries. I think there was a thigh issue around that point, maybe a foot issue. Um, and Kyrie also getting adjusted to the team midway through the year. You just don't want post-trade deadline to be when there is zero margin for error. So starting out this first month and taking advantage of a mixed strength of schedule is going to be really important. Um, with the Spurs, uh, frankly, I, I think the Mavs can can definitely win that game without one of their two stars out. Then they play the Nets, the Grizzlies, the Bulls, the Nuggets, the Hornets, the Magic. Um, they have a little bit of an easy first two weeks. So, I mean, knock on wood, you want to hope that Kyrie at the very least is feeling better because we don't know where that injury necessarily came from with Luca. The concern is that I believe that they're load managing him because of his ongoing thigh issue. Um, And you just don't want to see any lower body issues kind of flare up, especially in the beginning of the season for a guy like Luca who depends so much on his lower body when it comes to posting up and stuff like that. Uh, We saw how much, that was the engine for his offensive game to start last season. I mean, he started incredibly on an individual pace. So, yeah, we want to see Kyrie and him both get off to a really hot start so that uh, the Mavs can kind of... They have a way smaller margin of error when it comes to November and December. Yeah, I think November and December is really the toughest months of the schedule for the Mavs. Um, especially December, if I recall correctly, like it, it's been a little bit of time since I've looked at the schedule, but, uh, just from off the top of my head, I, I do remember looking at the schedule and being like November and December are going to be pretty difficult months for the Mavericks in terms of the amount of road games that they have, uh, the strength of the opponents that they're playing. Um, and so that's why like the October 
uh, early November schedule, like getting as many wins in that range as possible is going to be very important um, because if they can make it to January in a good place, I think January is when things ease up for them a bit with, you know, more home games um, and maybe lesser strength of schedule in terms of opponent quality at that point. So, uh, I mean, yeah, like we can't overstate like how important it is to get off to a fast start. We know that teams that do these international trips in the preseason typically don't do that, um, which is a bit worrisome. But at the same time, like, I mean, th- th- there's no excuses for the Mavericks. They they, they know what their goals are. Um, and so they're, they're just going to have to deal with it. I mean, as Mark Stein kind of reported today, like, um, you know, the Mavericks had promised that they would go play Real Madrid um, promised Luca that they would go do that, right? And the only way that the NBA would let them do that this season is if they played the Abu Dhabi games as well. So um, as Mark Stein described it, it was one of the biggest things that the Mavericks have done for Luca was agree to do the Abu Dhabi trip so that they could go play in Spain. So, I mean, I, I'm i not saying that there's no sympathy for them, but this is their bed that they've made and now they got to sleep in it. So... Uh, whatever it takes, they got to get right these next 11 days and hit the ground running in San Antonio on October 25th. Yeah, um, ideally, Mark Cuban invests in the time machine and he gets prime Tony Romo and Des Bryant to play for the Mavericks in the months of Romovember and December. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Tony Romo actually was a high school basketball player. He played against Karan Butler in wisconsin where they where they grew up fun fact but uh yeah you're you're right about that one um we need someone who's accustomed to the dominance in november december um but yeah i mean you know luca and Kyrie, as we know are obviously going to dictate how far the mavericks go the season um as well as how fast of a start they get off to but i think one of the biggest questions also uh facing the mavs is who's going to be the starting small forward this year um I think in preseason, it became clear that Derek Lively has at the moment locked up the starting center role. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But the starting small forward position, I think, is still a pretty big question. Uh, I think in the first preseason game, um, it was Omax Prosper that started there. I think in the preseason, Omax Prosper has shown that he is a little ways away from being a consistent contributor for the rotation. Uh, Second game, Josh Green started and I think looked pretty good. Um, and I believe Josh Green started the third game as well. But uh, through the preseason, Dante Exum and Derek Jones Jr. have also uh, been some bright spots for the Mavericks and shown that they might be able to contribute this season. Um, and Mark Stein actually wrote today that Derek Jones Jr. has played himself into contention for the starting small forward position. So I don't know if that's like a, a worrisome thing or a sign that maybe we're getting more value from one of our uh, minimum signings this year, but that's one of the biggest questions, in my opinion, going into the season. Yeah, I'm slightly concerned at that report just because I think Josh Green kind of has earned that role. Uh, I know he is, uh, what is it, extension eligible this season, so there's stuff going on in the background. I think he just fits very well with that starting lineup, especially if you don't know the health of your two main stars going into it as and he fits well defensively. Um, Omax seemed just like a little outmatched, whether it was a weight class or what. Maybe it was a cat and Rudy Gobert is just too large of a front court for him. So maybe it's like very matchup dependent. 
But Dante Exum, I think he fits perfectly with Seth Curry off the bench, fills in a lot of gaps. You can stagger his minutes a little bit, obviously, if Luka and Kyrie are healthy. Um, I just don't see a point where in the beginning of the season, when you have this margin for error and you're not playing the strongest opponents, where you wouldn't want to play a guy like Josh Green when healthy, especially if you're missing one of your two stars. Um, and without necessarily backtracking, I also want to say, other than this first two or three weeks of the schedule, the easiest part of the schedule, or at least the only other part of the schedule that is as uh, and that that is similarly strong, is the last week of March and then the first week of April. So it's it, this is there is like actually no margin of error in terms of the teams that the Mavericks face for large chunks of this season. Um, so if if they're trying to figure out, oh, who's the starting small forward, I would rather they do that <laughs> early on rather than in the middle of the season. So, yeah, figure out the lineups in this first week or two. Please, Coach Kid. Yeah, no, I would personally also be on the train of thought that we should just start Josh Green and not really uh, – play any games about that because I just think that our best players should get the most playing time. And also that, you know, we've gone away from the thought in recent years. I think Jason Kidd specifically, I don't know about us, but that our starting five necessarily has to have all our five best players in it. And it's more about, it's more important about what your finishing closeout lineup is. But I, I still personally think that there is value to like having a starting five that is stronger and not necessarily um you know makes immediate concessions to like um staggering lineups and whatnot but in some instances i think it would be it wouldn't make sense like you know i think it was the last episode or one of the last episodes where i was talking about hey you know it's okay if Derek lively takes time to develop if he's not the starter immediately and i talked about the example with andrew bynum with the lakers and how he took a couple years to develop um, like in that instance, I think that makes sense. I don't know if bringing two of our better players off the bench in that train of thought makes sense. But then again, it seems like Lively is on track to be the starting center, um, on opening night. So there's that. And, um, I don't know. I'm just trying to think ahead. Like Josh Green, I, I feel like his skill set does fit very well with Luca and Kyrie. Um, he makes up for a lot of the holes there, but, on the other hand, you could probably make that argument for the bench. Um, I don't know if our bench defense is really that good, um, especially if we are going to be playing Seth Curry a bunch of minutes, um, which, you know, as we said, Dante Exum, he's going to be a good compliment to him. And if you add Josh Green into that, um, and Josh Josh is such a dynamic player too on offense. Uh, he has his own creation skill set. Like, I guess I kind of see there might be a bench mob in play. Um, and as I was talking about on the last episode, uh, it's the Mavs are very versatile. They're more versatile than they have been in quite some time. So um, I, I suppose it really is just all done experimentation. And I hope they've been doing that throughout training camp and preseason. And so like Rohan said, we don't have to suffer through too much of that kind of tinkering throughout the season, but 
at the same time, like eight new players, at least, and who knows what kind of acquisitions happen throughout the year. Like it's going to be a learning process. <laughs> I mean, in a way it's a good problem to have, right? Like um, you were talking about the bench and the Mavericks have, I think a lot of firepower off the bench too. I mean, they have Seth Curry, Tim Hardaway Jr. At the moment, Jaden Hardy, they have guys who can really score the ball well. So that's not going to be an issue for them, whether it's the starting lineup or the bench. So I think they're in a really good place there. Defensively, of course, that's the bigger question. Um, I think that there actually is quite a few versatile defenders on the team, right? Josh Green, we already talked about. Omax Prosper, even though I think that he might have a more limited role this season, defensively, I feel like is one place that he could contribute immediately because you can just stick him on another guy and his length is going to, and athleticism is going to immediately allow him to contribute defensively. Um, you know, Derek Jones Jr., another another long athletic player that can, uh, you know, that can guard other stars on the other team. I mean, maybe not be a defensive stopper, but he's certainly someone who has a reputation as a defender. Uh, Dante Exum, again, um, I think his defensive skill set is something the Mavericks really like, and obviously I think they do like his ball handling skills too, so I expect him to be in the rotation. Whether he's more of a guard or a wing, I'm not sure. I think he's bigger than a guard, but maybe a little bit uh, more undersized for a wing. Uh, so that's where my real concern with this team is they're still small across the board. Um, but at the same time, they have enough versatility uh, to where I think that they could overcome it. But it's going to come down to, like you said, the right rotations and the right combinations of players to sort of compensate for some of those weaknesses. And to be honest with you, I'm not sure we learned that much from the preseason in terms of what the rotation is going to look like. There were just too many players in and out of the lineup, uh, too much experimentation, like getting the rookies, starting minutes uh, in the first game. Uh, I just feel like I didn't learn that much from the preseason, but I don't know if you guys took anything away from it. It's just too small a sample size in their exhibition games. Right. So you don't want to read too much into it. I will say, I think this is just my head. Okay. Uh, Dante Exum probably has some redundancy with Josh Green and Josh it's just physically, I think, a better suited for a wing position. So I can see him and Derek Jones Jr. kind of slotting in on certain nights in those first two weeks pretty reasonably, depending on whether Luca and Kyrie are available. Um, if Luca and Kyrie are available, then I, I can understand why you would want another more athletic guy, maybe a lob threat, um, who can work with your two stars having the ball in their hands especially with Lively being dependent on a little bit more for being a defensive anchor, um, but also some potential foul trouble there. I I am not entirely sure where Omax fits into the rotation this season. I think he's going to be immediately a really good help defender, but I don't see him being a viable starter just because he is so matchup dependent. Um I mean, we'll have to see. Tim Hardaway Jr., I think, is a lock for the bench. I also don't necessarily think he fits in the starting lineup that way because of his defensive liabilities. Um, and I don't really want to get in the, get into the bench mob too much, but I think the undersized part of it honestly fits into what the Mavericks are doing a little bit, just in terms of offensive versatility. Sure, they're leveraging defense a little bit, but if they can play at a different pace 
that could really make or break the season for them, especially depending on how consistent that lineup is capable of being. Because Luca and Kyrie, we don't know what the pace for that is necessarily going to look like yet. But we know that Luca is going to slow down the pace, and we know that Kyrie can slow down the pace. Right. So if we can get back to a a dichotomy between the starting lineup and the bench, and this involves, obviously, who is the starting small forward, similar to how they had when Jalen Brunson was on the team in that conference finals run, I think this team could be very, very dangerous, regardless of the defense, the defensive liabilities and maybe the limited front court depth that they have. I think, yeah, I think you made a great point about uh, the offensive versatility. Um, and honestly, that transits a little bit to the defensive end, too, because I think this they've done something that I've wanted to see from them for some time is get these players in that 6'6", 6'7", 6'8", range um, that can really be plugged in in different situations. They could play the three on some occasions, can play the four on some occasions, uh, could even play the two if you really wanted them to. So they have a lot of guys that can play different positions and are long and are athletic. So I think that's really uh, a major positive for them. But it's really going to come down to the whole being greater than the sum of the parts, essentially, right? So Grant Williams is going to have to play his part as a starting four-man and I think he's going to have a huge role this season on, on both ends. And then, you know, who's next to him? Is it Derek Jones Jr.? Is it Josh Green? Um, can Omax Prosper be a 3-4 hybrid off the bench to, um, you know, provide more defense in certain lineups? Like, those are the questions that I think still are yet to be answered. Um, and we'll see that, I guess, like as the season starts. But the the starting three is the biggest question, I think, that the Mavericks face going into the season um, you know, and a bigger picture thing with Josh Green is that, you know, I, I, I agree with you guys both on the fact that I, I think he's the best player and he should start at the three. But to me, it just seems like he doesn't have Jason Kidd's full trust. And this dates back to last season as well. Um, or even the playoff run in 2022, for that matter, too. I mean, I know he was a lot raw, more raw back then and improved a lot in the 2023 season. But I mean, we saw that when the Mavericks signed uh, Justin Holiday uh, last season, you know, Jason Kidd wanted to try out Justin Holiday starting instead of Josh Green. And that just completely wrecked Josh's confidence. Um, and this season, even in the first preseason game, Josh Green wasn't a starter. And it just seems like right now, Josh Green hasn't made a convincing enough case for him to be the starter. So if that's the case with him, you know, coming up on a contract year and restricted free agency next summer, if you really don't believe in him being a long-term piece for your team, then I think it's time to start looking to see what you can get for him on the trade market. Right. And, and that would be another case where starting him might help increase his value, at least in short spurts. Um, I think to kind of tie this discussion up for me, um, offensive versatility is kind of what it comes down to for that starting three, especially with Grant Williams being a pretty good hybrid defender um, in preseason. Again, preseason, don't want to overreact. The shot really hasn't been falling for him, right? And that's a question mark for the guys around Luca. You're going to get a lot of open shots. You're going to get a lot of wing threes. So for a guy like Josh Green, if he wants to cement himself in that starting lineup, it's going to be all about consistency on those shots. And that's really been the question mark for him his entire career, right? Is that efficiency from the three-point line? 
So we'll see we, if he's yeah, we, we know really not able to fit yeah, in there. His playmaking doesn't really matter, right? Not in the starting lineup. So otherwise, I can see him just relegated to a bench role, like you said, and a player with less versatility, let's say, uh, becoming a stalwart in the starting lineup. Yeah, because we know Josh Green can shoot from the corners, but the biggest question, and we've talked about it on this podcast before, like, can he expand his range? Or not even expand his range, but can he, like, diversify his range a little bit to shoot from the wings or from uh, above the break? Like, that's, I think, what could really set him apart. Um, Because Grant Williams, like, I'm not too concerned about his shot. I mean, I know he struggled shooting the ball in the preseason, but we know that he can shoot. I have full confidence that the shot is going to start falling uh, in the regular season. Uh, but Grant Williams, as we know, gets a lot of corner threes as well. Like that was his role in Boston and, and in the preseason games we saw here, like that was a big part of his game here too. So, uh, you don't want some offensive redundancy there. And so Josh Green, I think is going to have to differentiate himself with being able to show some, uh, ability to shoot from different parts of the court or with his playmaking too. I think the Mavericks like him for his playmaking, but, um, again, it's just for him, it's all consistency. Can he show these things on a consistent basis? Um, and if he can, then I think he's going to be a really important piece for the Mavericks. Um, but if he can't and the Mavericks don't trust him, then I think it's time to start having a, a difficult conversation, but a necessary conversation uh, because the future of your franchise, one way or another, really depends on what you do with Josh Green. So I think that's a good uh, stopping point for that discussion I want to quickly talk about Derek Lively before we go, because I think that was one of my biggest takeaways from the preseason was that, you know, he didn't post the flashiest numbers or anything like that, but I really thought that he looked good um, in terms of setting screens. Like his role gravity, I thought was respected by the defense. I mean, even by Minnesota that has Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns, like they had to respect Derek Lively when he was rolling to the basket um, I thought defensively, like, yeah, he looked like a rookie at times, but overall he knew exactly where to be on the floor. Um, I thought that he deterred a lot of shots at the rim when he was in the game. Like, it wasn't easy for the smaller players to just drive into the lane and, and throw up shots like they typically do against the Mavericks. Um, and so I think that really made me excited for Lively. I mean, Rohan, you and I watched him in Summer League, and I felt like he has come, you know, light years uh in progress since that point. So I'm really excited for him. How much the Mavs can rely on him is another question, but I think for now, I think having him in the starting lineup is is appropriate and I would even say necessary. I would much rather Derek Lively work on how to be an effective defensive anchor just because even in that first game, it was clear that that is his main skill. Right, that's the one thing that like his mentality just naturally leads to that. And uh, let's let's just be frank. Let's call a spade a spade. That guy has the wingspan and the length in order to alter any shot at the rim. So him working with TC, I mean, you you can see you can see development really really quickly just in the last two or three months. So I'm really excited to see where he goes this season. I'm honestly not even that concerned about foul trouble even though the front court rotation is a little bit limited um to be depending on a rookie to be your starting center um but i think he's going to play big minutes i think he's going to surprise in a lot of these matchups and i hope i hope um that his screening just by the end of the season 
becomes down pat consistent as well. Yeah, I, I thought he looked a lot better screening for Luca or screening for other guards for that matter. I'd still like him to set harder screens, but I think compared to where we saw him in summer league, he's definitely got the technique down a little bit more. And he knows exactly how to time the pick and then roll to the basket. And we saw a few of those finishes with Luca and the pick and roll, which were obviously really exciting. Um, I think as him and some of the other guards get more chemistry, uh, we'll see a lot more lobs coming Derek Lively's way. But I think in terms of timing of screens, he's really got that down. And now it's just going to come down to, can you set harder screens uh, to just create even more space for some of the ball handlers? Yeah. Um, I think based off everything we've we've seen so far, it's very evident that Lively is quite an intelligent player. So, you know, for somebody so young, that's really reassuring. And of course, um, his physical stats are through the roof. So, um, you know, that's a intelligence and athleticism. That's already a good combo to have. Um, like you guys have been saying though, he is still raw, of course, and it's going to take some time for him to develop, but just as long as he stays true to what he's been saying this entire time about how his specialty is in doing the dirty work and like, you know, doing everything basically that, uh, a lot of poor teams forget to do and send the culture on that end, especially defensively. Yeah, uh, that's a great point about him doing the dirty work because one thing that really stuck out to me from the preseason was how under control he played, you know, both on offense and on defense. Like on, on defense, I I didn't find that he was out of position a lot. Like he was able to uh, play a little bit higher than maybe most big men his size were on the floor. Um, and so they were able to do things like trap with him, but he was also able to drop back to the basket um, with correct timing. And like we said, just use his length to deter shots at the rim. Um, of course, Rudy Gobert got the best of him on on certain uh, occasions, and, and that's going to happen. I mean, it's, it's Rudy Gobert. I mean, Derek Lively was dunked on. He's a rookie. That's going to happen. I think foul trouble is going to happen too with him. Just That's just how it goes with big men, um, rookie big men. But... I just felt like Derek Lively played so under control. And on offense, you know, you never saw him trying to, like, force hook shots or trying to, like, uh, force shots near the rim. It was never like that. Like, he only ever scored the ball, I think, on pick-and-roll lobs um, or times where someone dumped it off to him under the basket and he was open. So I thought that was really good from him. You know, from rookie bigs, where I wouldn't say offense is, like, his biggest skill set. Like, it's important to know your role. And it seems like Derek Lively really knows his role right now, which, I mean, we've heard the Mavericks talk about it so much during the preseason about how last season didn't go well because players didn't know their role. And I think the number one player that comes to mind there who they're talking about is Christian Wood. Um, and so it's clear Derek Lively is not Christian Wood for many w reasons, but this is one reason that he's not going to try to you know, put up stats during games. Like if stats happen, it's going to be great, but it's going to be because he's helping the team win. It's not going to be because he's going out of his way to score the ball or chase blocks, things like that. It's a really good point. Um, I've been trying not to talk about Christian Wood this season just for my, for my own mental health. Um, and also we just want to move on. But there has been no tunnel vision that I've seen from Derek Lively in 
I guess maybe my limited uh, bandwidth in preseason or even summer league. Yeah, you want to get your reps in, but he seems like the type of player who, especially in the starting lineup, is just trying to fit in and do what he can do. Um, I guess this isn't really the roster for him to be experimenting, um, which is a little bit unfortunate. I would love to see a front court that he could slot in and out of um, where he could be on the bench and kind of determine how consistent he can be on offense in certain other ways. But he has all the makings of an elite pick and roll role, uh, an, an elite role man in the pick and roll. And uh, I'm not, I'm not going to front. It's going to be nice to see Dwight Powell not getting beat up every single possession as a starter for a season, honestly. So yeah, I'm I'm actually excited, foul trouble or not. I mean, it's they're going to be ups and downs. It's a rookie big, right? That there's not a lot of examples of that just being a runaway success. It's going to be very matchup dependent, like you said. But I don't think he's ever going to get exposed. Yeah, I mean, if Derek Lively gets into foul trouble, which he will, it's not going to be because he's jumping at every shot attempt. It's it's going to be a combination of, you know, being a rookie, getting a rookie whistle, and also maybe being out of position every now and then. But it's not going to be because he's trying to chase blocks. Like, I think with JaVale McGee, that was often a problem with him is a player like him has always been a guy who chases blocks and as a result will get called for a lot of fouls because he bites on every pump fake. Derek Lively, at least like in the preseason, I didn't feel like um, that was something that he did. I know in college, foul trouble was an issue for him, but uh, at least what I've seen in the preseason showed me that he's not going to be jumping at every shot attempt. So I think uh, it's going to get better with time, but I think he has a lot of ready skill sets that are going to help the Mavericks right out of the gate. Yeah, and one thing that I did notice from preseason that I liked, um, and this is a coaching thing, was in one of the games against Minnesota where Lively did get into foul trouble, and you know I think a lot of people were complaining that oh you know he got such a bad rookie whistle, um, which may or may not have been true. I don't really care about complaining about officiating in the preseason, but you know point is even though he got like. I think four fouls in the first half. What I liked was that Jason Kidd stuck with Lively throughout that and um, didn't pull him from the game, you know, even though he was in foul trouble and just wanted to keep him out there and see how he would play, which, um, you know, first off, yeah, I, I appreciate Jason Kidd trying to build confidence in Lively and not pulling him, giving him a little bit of leash. Um but also, like, it's just a sound coaching decision. Um, I think that for the most part, um, in years past, especially in the playoffs, um, it's more conducive to just try to let your guys play through the foul trouble. Um, because generally speaking, unless you're truly undisciplined, which I don't think Lively is, a lot of players, they do tend to, like, shore up and also refereeing, whether it's a conscious thing or not, tends to get a little... uh you know, they do ease up on the fouls after a little while. So um, I think that is one important thing to see with Lively. Like if you can play, you know, a solid 25-ish minutes per night, 
before getting into any kind of like real foul trouble towards, I don't know, the end of a game. Um, I think that's important. That's like, it's going to be good to see. And um, yeah, I really don't have much to say other than that. I mean, that's a big ask though, right? 25 minutes is half of a basketball game. If you play it without any breaks, actually it's more than half of a basketball game. So we'll see. I mean, that that's definitely more than I would have expected from him when the Mavericks drafted him. And honestly, I, I've been thinking about it recently. Like, what's what's a reasonable, um, you know, minutes per game mark for Lively in his first year? But uh, I don't know. I, I Initially, I thought 15 minutes. Now I'm kind of around 20. But, you know, 25, if he's playing 25 minutes a game, like, I think that's way more than I think most people would have expected from him uh, in year one. But, you know, to your point, I think that's Jason Kidd's specialty is letting his guys, if he likes you, he'll let you play through. Uh, some of your mistakes, um, which I think his players really appreciate. Maybe not always the best coaching decision, but um, I think in a long regular season, as we've seen, Jason Kidd likes trying different things out and is more concerned, I think, with the bigger picture, the marathon, as opposed to individual games. But at the same time, the individual games matter, and we know how much they matter for the Mavericks this year as they try to return to relevance and make the playoffs again after a very disappointing 2022-23 season. That's all I got for this episode. I don't know if you all have any closing thoughts, but I think that's a good stopping point here. I'll just summarize it. I think the Mavs are actually in a really interesting place. Um, They may not have the front court versatility that they would need for me to be very confident, especially with their top two players coming into the season with some dubious health. But with how versatile the wing rotation is, I fully believe that even if Coach Kidd and the coaching staff are just playing with that lineup, that depending on the matchup, that could work out in their favor very well. And I'm excited uh, to see this kind of weaker strength of schedule for the first two weeks and to see which of these guys really shine. Yeah, um, I don't really have much to say else. Uh, I I just hope that, you know, Luke and Kyrie get right in time for the beginning of the season. And from there, hopefully um, things can continue to progress well. Um, I have faith, though, like everything I've seen so far. I do think that this team has a lot more potential to do um, to not, well, crap the bed without Luke and Kyrie on the court. So, um, than they did last season and in seasons past. So I am looking forward to that. Yeah, I'm. I'm excited too. I think this is going to be a good season. But like, like you said, Fazlo, I really just need Luca and Kyrie to get healthy, and for this question to be out of our minds by opening night. But I'm, I'm optimistic. I think the Mavericks are in a in a good spot right now. Um, and hopefully we'll have the chance to upgrade a bit during the season to you know close some of their holes but uh thanks rohan and Fazel for joining me on this episode thought we thought we were pretty systematic like you said <laughs> um and we'll be back soon i think with the season preview episode we got to do one of those so uh stay tuned for that but appreciate all of you guys for listening uh follow us on twitter at mavs film room if you haven't subscribe to us on apple Podcasts, spotify YouTube. We're going to start posting our podcasts on YouTube. I know I've been saying that, but we're actually going to do it this season. 
And uh, yeah, it's gonna it's it's gonna be an interesting year. It's gonna be a different year than we're used to. But uh, it's always excited when the Mavericks are starting a new season. So go Mavs, and we'll see you guys soon.